like number one piece of advice if you get an interview really prepare because it's it's hard to get an interview welcome to agile clips in this episode we talk about job hunting resumes and interviewing for agile roles following the 2023 tech layoffs we share our experiences advice we receive and what worked for us Hi, Santosh. Long time no see. Yeah, really. We have been talking on and off, but I think we haven't had a chance to record anything. And uh, I think uh, I think we could re- restart the whole process again because a uh, lot has happened. Uh, you have changed jobs. I have changed jobs. So a lot yeah. more fun stuff. Life's but... been crazy. Yeah. In, really. in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so uh, looks like you have a brand new job new job and um i think one of the things that we were mentioning i think last time we were talking about is that a lot of people are going through this process that you went through finding a job in the new or post pandemic agile environment so that may be something very interesting to oh know. yes i have some war stories to tell yeah so why don't we just jump into it so uh, tell us yeah. all about uh, how it all got started. So it all started uh, because of a, a reduction in force within the company that I was working in. Yeah. And I really prefer full-time jobs. So I have been a full-time employee for many years. And anyway, there was a big cut. And what happened was actually a whole product line that I was involved in was cut. So it was not uh, huge across the overall company, but my group was heavily impacted. Anyway, the company was very generous in terms of giving us some notice, and then uh, they also paid for um, some career coaching for a few weeks. So um, I had a chance to get my resume reviewed by a professional, which helped. Oh, well, um, you didn't use chat GPT? <laughs> no, uh, a human expert. Um and I can actually talk a little bit about the formatting of the resume and, and so on. But just at a high level, then um, I started applying for jobs and I really focused on LinkedIn and Indeed. Oh, okay. And I was seeing opportunities for sure. I probably applied for about 40 positions, not not a huge number, but I'll, that's another thing I'll go into about really targeting where I applied. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What was your philosophy behind? Okay, so let's uh, double click on that. Yeah. So obviously in high tech and especially in the San Francisco Bay Bay Area where we live, there have been a lot of layoffs in the yeah. last uh, year or so. Yeah. And so there's a lot of competition. And I've heard stories of people applying for hundreds of jobs. Mm. And it's always been said that most jobs come through acquaintances or personal contact. Right. And I believe it. I believe the statistics, but it's never really been my experience. All my jobs have come just by applying um, directly. And um, what I did was just really thought about the companies I would like to work for, where I felt there was a synergy between my uh, my interests, but as well as my skills and what the job description said. Yeah. And 
so yeah, so I just targeted really carefully and so you actually uh, read the job descriptions. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Yes. So I know usually the advice is have a very comprehensive resume, talk about everything you've done, then modify it for each particular application so it fits and it uses yeah. the same keywords. Yeah. And so on. I I don't doubt that that is that works, but in my case I decided to just really look for the jobs that fit my background or, mm. or vice versa, my background fit the job. And for me, it worked. And that's all I can say. I was, I didn't really try and use my contacts. I did seek advice from a couple of people, not because I thought they could get me into the companies where they worked, but mm. just to understand the market for scrum masters and agile coaches. Right. Uh, with the idea, because I haven't looked for so long, just to kind of get a, my finger on the pulse, so to speak. Sure. And then when I found these particular jobs that, you know, where what they asked for were things I know I can do and I can defend that I can do them and I can have relevant experience. But also I tried, if possible, to be uh, in an industry that I worked in in the past also, mm -hmm. such as fintech and so on. Although, as it turned out, that wasn't, I ended up in a uh, industry that's different. <laughs> but that, that in itself is interesting, because my first degree was in mechanical engineering, because I wanted to work in the car industry. Sure. And it's the first time in my whole career that I've actually now joined a company in the car industry. That's been fun and interesting. But anyway, very targeted and thoughtful letters to go with the uh, the application. So I didn't change the resume much, but I did write uh, cover letters, uh, which I really thought about fairly deeply. And So do you think the cover letter didn't make a difference? Oh, I think it did. Okay. Yeah. So I put more effort into that than the resume is what I'm saying, in, yeah, in tu well, tuning. I, I, I didn't know anybody read those things. Uh, maybe they don't. You know, it's it's really hard to know exactly why things worked out. Mm. But um, so anyway, I did that. And then I really thought about the resume's job is not to reveal everything, but enough to get an interview. That's all the resume has to do is get you an interview. Right. And then you have to prepare for the interview. And I did that very, very thoroughly. I, I didn't really track the numbers. I would say I applied to about 40 jobs. I had interviews at four companies, and I actually got two offers, which I think is a pretty good ratio. Yeah, 10%. Wow. And for the uh, the interviews, just to give you an idea of the preparation, and I think this is my secret sauce. So, <laughs> so it's important to get the interview, obviously. But yeah. once I had it, I really researched the company. I came up with a list of questions for them. Really good questions, or the mm -hmm. best I could think of, anyway. But I really thought about those, and then I studied the people. Uh, that were going to interview me. As soon as I got the name, I looked them up on LinkedIn. I saw what the background was ah. and thought about everything in my experience that would be interesting to them or would help form a bond. And in one case, which was one of the, the companies where I, I did get an offer, the CEO had had been a guest on podcasts, had been in YouTube videos where he was being interviewed. So anyway, there was a lot of material out there. Mm. So I I watched everything I could find except for one. 
And then when I went for the interview, I chose clothes that looked like the clothes he wears. <laughs> like he wears a sleeveless sweater very often in these YouTube videos. Oh, so I, I did that. And then he has certain expressions like, uh, if you will. Of course. So I used that a couple of times <laughs> during the interview. I studied the company's competition. And I mentioned it during the interview, and he said, oh, who do you think our competition is? So I, I trotted out a number of companies, and he was writing down furiously, which I'm sure he knew. Yeah. I'm sure he knew them, and he was probably just if taking he knew, notes. If he knew that, he wouldn't know it. <laughs> I'm sure he knew, but, and he was probably just taking notes. of. But just in that particular time of the interview, it was like really writing a lot down. So my point being that... Again, the the resume's job is to get you the interview, but then you, uh, at least for me, really work hard to make that interview successful because my assumption has been that I would not get many interviews. Sure. My, that assumption was wrong. I was lucky, I guess. I got the interviews, uh, or a good number of them, but in any case, that would be my like, number one piece of advice. If you get an interview, really prepare because it's it's hard to get an interview. And of course, you have to be technically technically competent and so on, but also the cult, culture is important. So I was just trying to show that I would fit with with the culture. And I, I honestly didn't have to lie or, or even exaggerate, but it was just subtle things to uh, to build that rapport. And it worked really well. In fact, the, the company that I am with now, I had to meet eight people, hmm. fin finally with the VP of engineering slash CTO. And the two people I met in the first interview, because they were some of them were in pairs, the first two people, um, I just figured out that they really, really liked me because after that they were giving me, or the, the hiring manager was giving me tips on, like, this is the feedback we received until now, so make sure that you address this. Oh. <laughs> uh, like, for example, he said, um, you know, people will look at your resume and, and think that you're overqualified for this job. So make sure you just get that out of the way when you meet the next people, just tell them why you want to do, why you want to be a scrum master. Oh. And uh, so I did that. So I felt like he was on my what side because, yeah. because yeah. we just resonated so well in the first interview. And then the final interview with this uh, CTO, VP of engineering, I looked on his background, I saw what company he had worked in, and I actually had a product that for which he had been responsible maybe 15 years ago, and mm. I still have it. So at the beginning of the interview, which this was a remote interview, I actually held the device, turned on in front of the camera, and I said, I saw that you worked on this, I still have it. <laughs> and so then a lot of the interview went very smoothly after that. Oh, cool. Oh, so, yeah. It uh, does, does make a sense to relate. There needs to be some common thread somewhere. Yeah, I, I think it really helps. I mean, it just gets you going on the right foot and also just being so well prepared. You feel more relaxed. You don't feel so, like you have to. So you didn't have to do any presentations or anything like that. No, in this case, there were no presentations, no references were taken up, but the interview questions were really good, really, mm. really deep. 
and um what was like a, uh, the toughest one that you got that I, i'm not sure what was the toughest but it was very much tell me about a situation where this happened and how you dealt with it so it wasn't what have you done what were you responsible for nothing like that like give us um, an examples yeah that makes sense yeah yeah that way you can actually relate <laughs> and if you are genuine then it shows up correct there were some of the best questions i've ever yeah well received. You know, I, uh, in my situation where i actually they asked me to do a presentation actually i had i had done that at multiple places i'm like yeah sure you know this is a workshop but i won't make you sweat so i'll but that also they were asking questions during that which tells uh, you whether they get it or not so yes i think that's but, the other aspect of it so it might be because you go after more senior positions <laughs> than i do but i i've uh, over the last few years i've been a program manager product owner i haven't been a scrum master for a while and it's really my passion to work with the teams and I help them improve so i, I just remember really when we were to working it. together you wanted to be as the scrum master yes <laughs> and yep. you, then again your job changed <laughs> yes but yeah i was determined this time to <laughs> to do that well as it turns out there is definitely uh, a good portion of my time that spent being a program manager as well but that's that's fine <laughs> well, so yeah it's uh it's been interesting um i, I feel very fortunate and blessed that I, that i joined this company i won't go into the details of what the company is but um i wanted to also mention that i had recently listened to podcasts from other agile organizations and um one of them i i love that podcast uh, in general but this particular episode i could not relate to at all because it was talking about selecting a company based on its culture and what what questions you should ask the company and it just felt so unreal these days because again it might be different in different locations but where we live there have been so many people laid off in the tens of thousands and people are generally desperate to get a job that as as nice as it would be theoretically to be able to be very picky about the company and its yeah. culture it just not does not seem realistic to me uh, it's true right now it, it's it's weird in the sense um, i have a couple of friends who pretty senior guys pretty you know agile coaches and uh, really really extremely well qualified and uh, they're still having trouble finding the job and i mean i learned from them that that kind of real good qualification but it is interesting that there are people almost 10 times more people are applying or like i've seen companies open the rec and within 4 hours they close the rec because they have 400 applicants within 4 hours and it's it is like a zoo Oh, I mean, I I even feel for the uh, HR folks to sift through all that. That's why I was, that's why I was asking you as to you know who really anybody reads that cover letter <laughs> because these days you know it's automated. The, they, that's why I think what you, when you mentioned that to cater it to the job job requirements or job description, it's sometimes the human is not even looking at it and they just have the matching words and it scores as to how many percent of uh, those buzzwords have been 
uh, you know, hit and that yep. in your so, so what I think happens is there is the uh, automatic scanning of the resume. Mm. Then if it gets through that, it gets to a recruiter probably, possibly the hiring manager. I believe they read about the top third of yeah. the first page. <laughs> and I think that if there is a good cover letter, because not everybody takes the time to do it, I suspect right. that they might look at that and then it becomes a differentiator. Typically, the resumes, if they are more than three pages, they uh, are frowned upon. Um, so having the, the reduced and very uh, concise need to be the, the, key, the key. But they actually, one of the guys was saying, like, you know, I start reading the paragraph and if I don't see anything interesting within first two sentences, I'll skip to the next one. Mm -hmm. And yep. so you almost have to move that significance to the top of the paragraph or experience so that that is going to, it's like a opening statement, which will get them get their attention and then go to the next. So then, as you said, you know, first uh, paragraph, one third, if there is a catch, you see that, oh, okay, there is something here to further drill down, then it'll get uh, uh, read further into that. Because I've yep. seen when they ask the questions, they are focusing on the first two sentences of your resume and ask about that. It's like, okay, tell us more about this, kind of. Yes, as I said, the um, I, I really do believe that when humans are involved, they just look at the top third of the first page, yep. and that and that uh, you either make it past that or not. So yes, in the uh, the top third of the resume, I have a, a description of the the roles I've held and the industries that I've worked in, mm. and then the advice that I got from the official resume advisor professional was to not have lots of bullet points in every role. So. Usually you put, you know, the company, the date, the location, and then you talk about what you did. And his advice was just put a paragraph of text with the key things that you did, which helps with the the matching, and then put two or three accomplishments in bullet points underneath. Not everything that you did is a bullet point. Right, right, right. And so uh, in my case, I was able to say things like, uh, saved 65% of uh, the cost by process improvements, which mm -hmm. is true. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's the other part is that, you know, what you did was not just for your fulfillment, but what did the company that you're working for? Correct. What did the business accomplish? Or what was your contribution to the business? I think that's uh, that gets attention. Yeah, absolutely. And so those bullet points, because they stand out from a formatting perspective, mm -hmm. should be as numerical as possible in nature. So it's I saved X percent, save the company X percent of something, or I grew the team from five to ten people, or I doubled the revenue from. Yeah, extra, extra. You know, or acquired more customers, ex-customers, and so on. So those are the things that really stand out when people scan quickly the resume once they get past that top third. Yeah. And uh, and I know they read that because the first interview I had at the company that I joined, they asked me about the 65%, what process Green, improvements yeah. were they? Yeah. And I could justify it. I explained it was because I automated uh, translation of our documentation through um, machine translation. Mm. Uh, it was not across the board a 65% improvement, but 
or cost reduction, but it was in a very specific area, which was very expensive. And more importantly, it meant that we could release every two weeks because now when we, we could write the documentation in the same sprint that we develop a new okay. feature, and then the moment we release that feature every you know two weeks, all the translated documentation was ready to go with it, which had it gone for manual translation or human translation would have been impossible. Mm-hmm. So I was also able to tie it back to agility and sprinting and so on so uh, so that was pretty cool that i could uh, explain it and justify it and again tie it back to agile principles i guess yeah i mean the, the i think what what it tells and what I especially they are looking at is is uh, are you more theoretician or you can actually translate the theory into practice and do you know the principle knowing the principles and books and all that you know coding different uh, this one is one thing but actually being able to use that in a practicality is a lot more significant if i need to get a theoretician then i'll just hire a professor right and that goes back to the the questions that they asked that were very probing and specific and what did you do and how did you do it and let me drill down and ask you more about that and so on so yeah yeah, it's important that you can go to that level of detail and some of those questions you definitely would not know the answers just based on reading a book yeah and interestingly um a lot of the questions after I told them the answer or how I would do things I said ah that's exactly what we did so (laughs) they when I've interviewed people, I've often asked about really tough problems that I'm currently having because I think maybe they'll give me an idea. But in any case, I'll uh, see how they think about solving a problem. But in this case, they they asked about things they've already taken care of, mostly um, to see if what I suggested was in line with what they decided after a lot of thought. Yeah, and uh, it was so. That was good. The other thing I wanted to go into, though, is um, talking about contracting agencies. Mm-hmm. So when I started looking, I, I think I mentioned earlier, I just was going through Indeed and LinkedIn. And then at first, I wasn't getting much traction. Companies were very slow to respond, if they even did. And and when I say that I was using Indeed and LinkedIn, it was to identify opportunities. In a few cases, I was able to apply through those platforms, but mostly it was just they referred to a website yeah. belonging to the company where right. you could apply. And um, so I was not getting much feedback. And my wife said, uh, you should put your resume on Dice, hmm. which she's used a lot in the past. Yeah, I've used it also once in a while. And I I did, and I got so many inquiries and calls, but they were pointless. They were absolutely useless. So let me explain what I mean. So it seems like every time there was a new opportunity, on the same day, I would get anywhere from five to ten different companies reaching out yes and it was very obvious they had exactly the same wording of the job description and so on do the current paste yeah and then they were very pushy saying i'm going to send you they would ask like one or two questions can you do this can you do that and then they would after i said yes they would say okay i'm going to send you an email with the right to represent Mm. and you have to sign it immediately and they were really pressuring me and sometimes asking for personal information like a social security number which i refused to do to give them and 
then I would never hear from them again. I think it's because in some cases they are compensated just by the number of uh, people who accept their to be represented by them. Yeah, especially yeah. there's more junior people. Right. And, and I've they... seen people actually, you know, collecting resumes so that they can just say, oh, we have this much database of these many, you know, 1500 Scrum Master resumes, we are ready to go. So, and I have, I've known people, a contracting company who actually, there was no job. They were just fishing for getting those resumes in. So, yeah, the, the, the contracting companies can be a very deceiving kind of thing. And of course, yeah, if there is one position, then all 10 of them are sending your resume for the same position. So anyway, it became super frustrating. And I really felt like I was wasting my time answering their calls, answering emails. And I just, at a certain point, I just said, okay, that's it. I'm not, not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, weeks into it, but like that time would have been better spent applying for full-time positions. And I understand that some people only want contracts or only expect to have contracts. So my advice there would be what I heard from one. um, So as as I mentioned, my previous company helped uh, provide this career counseling, so to speak. And I brought this topic up with my advisor there. And she said, "If, uh, if you really want to go for contracts, just look for a few reputable companies Hmm. and apply directly to them. Don't put your resume on dice. Just go after those companies and they will have clients. And once you're in their books, they will find you some suitable clients. But that way, at least you're targeting your efforts and you can, you know, there are a few of those companies that are well known and they will be more successful and more serious about finding you a placement than these other ones these fly-by-night <laughs> organizations. So I think and that's... Sometimes uh, they are not even in the area. They don't even know uh, the area. Right? And like sometimes they, when they start saying, uh, this in, in they can't even produce, pronounce the name of the town. So I'm like, guy, if you can't even say that, then don't even talk to me. Yep. I had a few of those where the, the English was so poor that they would send an email with a question that made no sense. I yes. couldn't pause the question even. <laughs> let alone answer it. So yes, it was uh, an interesting period. I would say to people, just um, keep your chin up. If you were laid off, it's, I'm sure, not your fault. And it's just companies overhired during the uh, pandemic, thinking that their needs would be very different going forwards. And then as soon as there were signs of the recession, they just cut like crazy. Well, I think uh, also the free money got dried up. Uh, once yes. the interest rates started going up, the, the abundance right. of money just started drying up. So obviously all that, uh, the, they were not flushed with cash anymore. So the other thing I'll mention is I made really, really good use of my time uh, between jobs. I did a few things. I spent a lot of like a lot of time listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. um, which I think helped uh, just to keep up to date with um, ideas in agile and how to work with teams and so on. It was both a refresher, but I also learned a lot of new things, and I think it was very helpful to make me feel uh, very competent. And I just think it helped in my interviews that I mm-hmm. I'd done that work. The other thing is um, I spent uh, quite a bit of time on personal development. So I actually attended a four-day 
Tony Robbins event, which was an amazing experience. It's called Unleash the Power Within, UPW. Mm. But it was remarkable, really remarkable. Uh, so I, I really learned a lot. And now I'm just totally into that sphere of people that he has as contacts. And I understand how much they read and how they develop themselves. And they're thinking about when something bad happens, immediately think of how to solve the problem. Don't dwell on what went badly and who did something to you and so on. Uh, so just to be very positive all the time, to take care of your health and things like that. I could probably spend three hours just talking about my experience in this event, which was very, very intense, but I really got a lot out of it. And one of the things that Tony Robbins talks about is that to be effective mentally, you need to be in a peak state, which means physically as well. Mm. So one thing I learned was um, I can't obviously do it through a podcast and, and show it, but there's a, an exercise where you're essentially running on the spot. You don't even move your feet. You move your body and your arms as if you were running, but hmm. you don't move a, an inch on the ground and it just raises your energy level. And I did that before every interview. Wow. And I think that also helped because get your it, body it, and mind yeah it just takes a minute literally 30 seconds with your left foot forward 30 seconds with your right foot forward but your arms are swinging like crazy and, ah. and it just gets your body going and during the interviews i felt that my my back was straight my shoulders were back i was speaking with more energy i just felt good and and I'm sure that I could have easily been there with my shoulders rounded and, yeah. you know, not looking good. Uh, so a physical appearance. Yeah. So even that was one of my learnings, but I learned a lot more <laughs> in those few weeks. I, I really studied a lot about techniques for problem solving and psychology and all kinds of different things. So, you know, my wife, I know when she's been between jobs, she spent 10 hours a day in front of a computer making calls, applying, and so on. And I think that's all good. But I think you also need to take the time to uh, elevate your thinking, at mm. least. Yeah. And it helps with the interviews. It makes you feel better about yourself. And I think it comes through when you yeah, speak one to of, potential one of employers. My, uh, mentors had, had given me an advice saying that before you go into the interview, you assume that you got the job. Oh, I like that. And then your responses change that if you actually have the job, then when they ask you a question, now you are directly relating as if you are part of that team and automatically their perception changes about you. Makes sense. But, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is kind of how you present yourself in that. And that is a direct response to your body language, your mental attitude, your presentation of yourself in the, into that that uh, environment yep there's um, also another thing i did to prepare which to be perfectly honest i didn't really come in but there's a technique known as saw s-o-a-r which is whenever there's a question talk 
tell a story basically mm-hmm. and the story is what was the situation what were the obstacles what was the action you took and what was the result so right. try and think of every everything you want to say in that format and the more specific advice was or the way I did it was I went through the job description and for every line item of things that they were looking for I was thinking about what was a situation similar to that where I had to do something and and so on. So I was very well prepared for that also, even though mostly it turned out the questions were totally different. (laughs) But it helped me be confident going into the interview, at least, that if they did go through the job description, that I would know exactly what I was going to say. I didn't have to hum and ah and kind of figure it out on the spot. It was all already pre-programmed. Makes sense. So yeah, lots lots of techniques. I know different people have different ideas. I can only say what worked for me. <laughs> yeah, but I think you covered almost you know eighty percent of it. It's quite common and quite applicable. Uh, there is nothing that specific to that. So that makes sense. Uh, you know, it's like somebody was telling me is that you know. Initially, when we were we used to do that, like bursts of distribution of uh, resumes everywhere, and that the probability goes down because then the as you said earlier, if they the content of the resumes don't match the job description or the requirements of the job, then 99% it's going to filter out in automated <laughs> screening anyway. Correct. And if you try to do it. This wide and uh, you know, it's very difficult for you to even change it every time. Oh yeah, it's very time-consuming. So, but also one, on one that... of the things that that uh, somebody had done was like there were about five versions of their resume, and then they would look at which one is closely matching, and that only make the changes to that instead of starting from scratch every time. Yeah, I guess that's one approach. I was told uh, just have one big resume from which you can remove things that may not be applicable when you apply to a specific job. Well, looks like all the hard work paid off. It did. Yeah. Yes, I feel very, very blessed. Absolutely. Yeah, these days it's it's a finding where you and and having you having uh, options where you want you want to go is is very rare, especially now. Yes, earlier people were just just give me a job and then just jump in and then we'll figure out. Yeah, and that's everybody's situation is different. If uh, but the the, I, the thing does happen in the sense if you need if you have contacts within the company, what I've seen is that the referral within the company has it increases your chances almost 10 to 20 times because you already have cleared the automated filter you may have cleared maybe two or three filters before it shows up there so having somebody refer to your name or resume within um, it's it's for sure a the probability is much higher that way you'll get an interview at least Mm -hmm. Uh, totally job or not that's another story and yeah i think I've heard that Google pretty much doesn't take anybody unless they're referred. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's true, but I'd heard that. So yeah, definitely. Um, I guess my my comment earlier was it's just difficult given your network of people. It's difficult to find right. contacts who work in a company where there are opportunities. But if you yeah. do, for sure, you should go that way, mm-hmm. that route. Plus you help them if they get a, a referral bonus. That's true. Well, I don't know whether these days they anybody provides referral bonus or not. They do. Oh, okay. Because uh, well, at least my company does. Okay. Well, 
we'll split the referral bonus <laughs> always so win win yeah <laughs> anyhow this is great well any others any other thoughts any other closing remarks no i again just want to repeat that uh, i know everybody's situation is different and i really feel for people who are on hb1 visas and if they're not sponsored if and they don't get a job within 60 days i think they they may have to leave the com- the country so in those cases i would say yes take you know you have to be very aggressive so to speak and take any job just to survive and then hope that you can meld the job right. to uh yeah. what you would like it to be and help the company's culture change if that's yeah. needed but uh for everyone else and i know everybody is a lot of people are financially have to also get a job as soon as possible but just um be mindful and I would say, and don't just send your resume everywhere because it's very disheartening and depressing yeah. to not hear back and so on. So that's why I I prefer my approach, which is this very targeted way of doing it. But again, it, you have to do what you have to do. and yeah, It's like what they call, your mileage may vary. Yes, exactly. Yes. But uh, yeah, yeah, multiple ways of doing things. And you never know. Which one will click? It's it's all about you know making yourself visible. I think that's the key. Yes, there's often talk about having a brand and right, you know, posting on LinkedIn and uh, articles here and there and Instagram. Oh, you know, I, it's interesting. I was talking to some of them. They were like, "Oh yeah, we have heard all your agile clips. I didn't even know that the podcast was actually being referred while I was at the interview." Interesting. Yeah. So if you're doing anything like that, like I, I have our podcast link in my resume. No, that's that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> that's how you distinguish yourself, right? Yes, true. Those are the kinds of things. Very that, true. Yeah. And you never know who will catch, you know, what kind of things you will catch somebody's eye. So yeah, you have multiple ways of, uh, it's almost like, you know, courting someone. So you have to show off all your colors. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. All right. Well, that was great. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon.